The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very dramatic gospel passage that we have here. St. John, so good at drawing us in to the drama. Just use your imagination for a moment. These self-righteous religious leaders dragging this woman into the middle of the temple area right there before Jesus. Just imagine how, how scared she must have been. Imagine how, how ashamed she felt. Imagine how angry the scribes and the Pharisees were, how, how envious they were of Jesus, how jealous they were of Jesus. Try to get into the emotion of this scene Because Jesus is aware of all of that. You have to know that. Jesus, more than any of us here, was so aware of how everybody else was feeling and what they were thinking. And you can imagine this woman thought, I'm dead. This is it. I know the law. I know I broke the law. I was caught. We don't know what happened to the guy. (laughs) But he should have been there too. We don't know what Jesus wrote with his finger. That's one of those things we'll have to ask Jesus when we get to heaven. What he wrote. I know there's been lots of speculation about that, which I'm not going to get into right now. But what is classic is his response. Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. 
So Jesus was not interested in condemning her. Jesus was not interested in having her be punished in front of everybody. Did she deserve to be punished? Sure. Sure. According to the law, she deserved to be punished. But he wasn't interested in that. That's not what he wanted. What did Jesus want? What did Jesus want? He wanted her to be restored, her dignity to be restored. He wanted her to be forgiven, to be affirmed, not for what she did, but for who she was. And that's sometimes a difficult distinction to make. I got to preach at a Ukrainian Catholic church on Tuesday. I've done that now for two weeks in a row, the Ukrainian Catholic church down in Warren. And that was all set up before the war started. And I've been talking to them about forgiveness and mercy. And we had a healing service. But I said, you know, you got to forgive in order to receive forgiveness. So we talked about what forgiveness is not, because that's important. And I've talked about that a lot up here before. But we also made a distinction between hating what is done and hating the person perpetrator who inflicts punishment or pain, I should say, and suffering on you or your loved one. Because Jesus hates what's going on here. He hates what she did. He hates what these religious leaders are doing. He hates all of it. But he loves everybody that's doing it. That's, a, that's something that God can do very easily. It's very hard for us. Amen? Imagine for these Ukrainians right now, how they feel towards Vladimir Putin. I said, you can hate what he's doing, just can't hate him. And it's not the same thing. I know it feels like the same thing, but it's not. So this is a grace, right? This is supernatural behavior. This is divine behavior. This is God loving in a merciful way like only God can do. And we can do that when he gives us the grace to do it. It's not just something we can decide to do. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision But boy, we need God's help. We need God's help. Because the natural thing to do is to want revenge. But God does not call us to seek revenge. He asks us to be merciful, to forgive. As he has forgiven us. As he forgives this woman. So the beautiful question then is, 
Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. And, and imagine how he looked at her in that moment. Imagine how Jesus looked into her eyes and probably saw her in a way that no one had ever seen her before. It was the way that she was longing to be seen. Just like all of us long to be seen, not just looked at. We have a problem with that in our society, especially with the way social media is today. We're we're trained unconsciously, but intentionally to just look at things, to look at people, to look at objects one after another. And if we're not careful, we will lose the ability to see each other and to see ourselves the way that God sees us. How do you think Jesus looked at this woman with great compassion? So that's why I say he saw her. And he knew her story. He saw in a flash in his mind, in his divine mind, he saw her story. Just like he can see Putin's story. Now that's not to dismiss what's happening or how she behaved or how he's behaving. But it helps to make sense of the irrational behavior. We can now rationalize the irrational behavior when we see the whole story. Again, it's not to justify it or dismiss it, but it's to understand it a little bit. We don't always know the story. We really don't have a background here for this woman. But Jesus knows what her background is. And he obviously has great compassion for her. And knows that he created her for something more. For something better. And so then he says, go and from now on do not sin anymore. Easier said than done. But again, God wants to help us with that. God knows that we all have needs and desires, physical, emotional, spiritual needs and desires that he created us with, that he created us with, and that ultimately he wants to fulfill perfectly in heaven. But even here on earth, he calls each and every one of, each and every one of us to love one another and to reflect his love to each other. But of course, we can't reflect what we don't see and receive. So Jesus invites us to come to him, to be seen and to be loved. He wants us to know that he loves to be with us. Why do you think he wanted to stay in such a humble form under the form of bread and wine? 
And he stays all cooped up in the tabernacle. Except when it comes time for Holy Communion. Because he loves to be with you. And he wants you to know that. That he loves to be with you. He loves to see you. And he knows that you have needs and desires, some of which have been unmet for a long time. But he is calling us all to life today. Beautiful first reading from the prophet Isaiah. God says through the prophet Isaiah, See, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? In the desert, I make a way. In the wasteland, rivers. I put water in the desert and rivers in the wasteland for my chosen people to drink. The people whom I formed for myself. That they might announce my praise. That they might experience for themselves my life and my love. My spirit. And then in that second reading, Paul just says, you know what? I consider everything as a loss, as rubbish, because of the supreme good of knowing, experiencing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Whenever Paul talks about knowing, like he does here today, he's talking about experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge, but to experience through the sacraments through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then listen to this. We'll we'll wrap up with this. For his sake, I have accepted the loss of all things, and I consider them so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes from that, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God, depending on faith to know him, to experience him and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by being conformed to his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I know there's a lot there, but basically Paul is saying, I don't depend on myself to save myself. I can't fulfill my own needs and desires. I can't save myself. I need a savior. And I'm looking forward to that resurrection from the dead, to that glorified body, to that perfect peace and joy and rest. But in the meantime, I take hold of what I've already been given, the promise that has been made to me. I receive that in faith. And the more I make those acts of faith, the more I know him and the more I experience him and the more I want of him. Let's pray for that today. Lord, help us to have that experience of your presence of your, and of your peace. We believe, Lord, we believe that you love to be here with us. We believe that you love to see us. We believe that you love to touch our hearts and set us free and heal us and reconcile us with the Father 
and with one another. Amen.